The Soda Pod is proudly presented by 7th Avenue Pizza. 7th Ave Pizza produces the highest quality, best tasting frozen pizza available in the market today. If delicious toppings are what you crave, look no further. Try the meat sauce pizza today because it wails, folks. Follow them at 7th Avenue Pizza to stay current on where you can grab yours today. Get you some 7th Avenue Pizza today. Now let's get right to the show. Welcome into another episode of MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Max, and joining us to recap Bemidji State and the Beavers and uh, a season that uh, had its ups and downs, to say it lightly uh, there. But joining us, who uh, was on double duty, covered St. Thomas for us all season. He's going to jump in and talk some uh, Bemidji State. The Steger, Ryan Steeg, how you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting, you know, being in the off season, you know, without college hockey. You know, I uh, just like... Oh, we got a few months more of this where, you know, there's just not much, but, you know, it makes, it makes you even more motivated for October to come along, too. Especially when uh, the Wild, again, we, we 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 seem to be surprised every single time, but first-round roads continue. So this is what we call the the proverbial dead zone uh, in Minnesota sports, right? Uh, the Twins, yeah. eh, I'm not sold on them just yet. Uh, so there's something, I guess. But yeah. hey, <laughs> anyways, uh, let's yes. recap Bemidji State, shall we? So uh, the the northernmost brother um, for, for all of us here inside the state. Uh, kind of break it down by this. We kind of, the way we've been doing this, Ryan, is we'll, we'll kind of do it non-conference. First half regular season, second mm-hmm. half regular season, playoffs. I'm kidding. Or am I kidding? Oh, geez, that was kind of that was kind of mean. Um, but uh, non-conference schedule, it, it's early. It's kind of weird. And I get it. Bemidji State um, is maybe not the, to say it respectfully, not the, the hot ticket item for a lot of teams, right? Um, but they play North Dakota three times. Uh, one, I think, was one technically an exhibition game. One was an exhibition game. Right. Yes. So the opener was exhibition. And then um, a home and home against the Duluth Bulldogs. And then a home and home against the Fighting Hawks. Uh, let's just say it lightly, it didn't start off great for Bemidji State. Uh, it did not. Um, but uh, the, the spark was they ended up beating North Dakota in the Saturday game in overtime. So that kind of got things going a little bit because then they went and uh, swept NMU the following uh, the following weekend. So I think if they uh, hadn't gotten that win in UND, you, you, at that point you start to wonder, uh, it's still way too early, but you're like, is this going to be <laughs> kind of yeah. a rough year? Or if, if you can't get a win in your first two games, your first four games. Uh, but uh, they um, keeping an eye on them from afar, they were, uh, they, they weren't playing bad. It's just, I feel like they were just playing, better teams than they were and they were just trying to keep up with them and uh i think they did for the most part it's just talent won out i think in a lot of those games and uh but bemidji as they show as the year went on they're a team that just they're a pesky team you know they're always gonna be there they're always gonna have great defense and try to throw you off their game uh, throw you off your game and uh they did that a few times this year too they did. And, you know, part of the struggles early on there, Ryan, was the defense, again, wasn't there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the offense, I mean, this has typically been not the most offensively gifted franchise in years past and recent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the recruiting battle I- inside the state as well. Um, it's definitely a challenge for them considering what's nearby for a lot of the players that they do bring in. Uh, so again, a lot of things almost have to go right for Bemidji. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, you know, you get a spark. Anytime you can take down the Fighting's Hawks, I almost said yes. it. I almost said it. Yeah, I would have been bad. Um, I, I, don't know, I, I did go there, so I understand. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Yes. So, um, so, but they find a way to get some good feelings, right? So that's great. Um, they sweep, as you mentioned, at NMU, so on the road too, which is, you know, makes you feel even better. Yeah. Uh, then you uh, come home, uh, you drop uh, one against Bowling Green, you come back the next night, you win it. But these are close games, right? And that's the big oh. thing is that. You know, the Midget State has to win low scoring games. Um, you go over to uh, Sault Ste. Marie, you sweep Lake Superior State, which is not a slouch of a team by any stretch of the means. Uh, you split against Michigan Tech, um, you split against Arizona State, which for an independent squad, they've kind of been up and down over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you you do essentially a, um, a sweep at St. Thomas and St. Paul, uh, and then you kind of get a really nasty reality check. Um, to end the first half of the season by uh, welcoming in uh, the number one team in the country, Minnesota State. And uh, let's just say things didn't go well. So, I mean, overall, there's some positive signs here. But as you mentioned before, when you go up against uh, some of the more talented squads, uh, Bemidji had a tough time finding the offense. And they also had a tough time, uh, really, what is their identity? And that is being a kind of a stingy, pesky defensive squad as well. Yeah, it, it's... If you look at their first half, it's split, 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 which means it's you're not it's inconsistent consistency, as I like to put it. It's like Drew Cove literally yeah. said the exact. Did you guys have a phone call before I, this? I, I, he, we either <laughs> have like a connection within our minds or something, but it's what it it's what they were. It's like they consistently got splits, but when you get splits, it shows that you can't put together two good games back to back. It's mm-hmm. like, and you're doing it weekend after weekend after weekend. So splits are great. And the fact that you're able to get one win, but shouldn't you have gotten two and why didn't you get two wins? And it's just, it seems like the consistency wasn't there at the level that they needed. And like you said, the Mankato series was as a lot of teams played Mankato. It didn't usually end well. A um, mm-hmm. couple teams are able to steal wins from them. You know, Northern Michigan did it, you know, at one point last season, you know, just kind of throw them off their game and you surprise the Mavericks and you're able to get one. But uh, Bemidji was going through some tough times, basically, uh, going against teams like that, you know. And then they played St. Cloud um, in the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day weekend, and that ended up, you know, both being three goal losses. Um, so that was disappointing as well. But then good things, they swept like Superior State again, <laughs> you know, after that. So it's like it's this up and down <laughs> kind of season for Bemidji where it's hard to predict week by week. I mean, I used to make I make my predictions every week on how the series are going to go, and Bemidji was probably them and Bowling Green were probably the two teams that it was really hard to pinpoint how they were going to play because they'll either shock me and play really, really well, 
or they'll do what they typically do and we'll play well Friday and not Saturday or we'll stumble Friday and we'll play really well Saturday. So it, it, it was an interesting ride through that for step. sure. Um, and I think one thing that really hurt uh, Bemidji too was this was a team that, and you know, we know with Tom Saratori, uh, you know, he likes a disciplined squad. He likes to be able, um, cause you kind of have to be again with not an offensive, you know, really deep squad. You really have to stay true to be able to run fourth lines. They were a very penalized team this season, uh, averaging four and a half penalties a game. They had eight majors throughout the season too. Uh, This was a trend that we saw even with St. Cloud. And, you know, it kind of, you talk about shooting yourself in the foot. That did not help Bemidji by any means uh, throughout the season too. They just couldn't stay out of the box too. And uh, as good as their penalty kill was, in fact, they held their opponents to just 19% uh, proficiency in the power play. You play with fire, and when you can't score, um, a power play goal here or there could sometimes make or break that game for Bemidji. Yeah, it, it, it did in a lot of times. And it was so weird that the fact that they struggled in the penalty box because they, you know, Bemidji for the most part is a fairly clean team. You know, mm-hmm. you don't see a whole lot of suspensions or a lot of majors out of Bemidji that compared to maybe some other teams in the conference. And it – I wondered at the start of the year with Bemidji because Bemidji was in the NCAA tournament the year before and beat Wisconsin in the first round. And are they going to take a step back? Because, you know, losing Zach Driscoll obviously hurt um, in that, and they lost some guys to graduation. Good thing Owen Sillinger came back. He ended up having a monster year, which is great. Um, You know, and Ethan Somoza was back, and that was great, and he had a solid season. But it's just – the things that were so good last year for them just didn't translate over into this season. They played uncharacteristically at times, the penalties, like you mentioned, it was the efficiency that I, I've come to expect from Bemidji just kind of wasn't there on a regular basis. And uh, that hurt them at times, but uh, Sometimes they found a way to win. That's just, you know, a time territory kind of coach team that if they get wins, they they find a way around it. They somehow get around the bunch of penalties or they find they throw another team off their game or something like that. But uh, it was uh, it was an interesting team to watch this year. That's for sure. It certainly was. And as we look into the second half here, Ryan, again, you mentioned the home and home against St. Cloud State, um, a pretty convincing sweep there by the Huskies. Uh, unfortunately for St. Cloud, that was probably besides the Miami series a couple of weeks later. In fact, that was the next series that St. Cloud played two, uh, three weeks later, because after this, there was a couple of COVID outbreaks. Uh, St. Cloud season also took a dive for the worst. So um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I think, um, as far as this, you know, the Bemidji goes, uh, St. Cloud fans, they know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, you respond, right? Uh, you go into uh, Bemidji again, Lake Superior State. You get them another sweep. Um, you do a split against Bowling Green, but then this is where the wheels come off a little bit. You get swept by Ferris State at home. Then you go on the road against Michigan Tech, who was a good team this year. You get swept by the Huskies at Michigan Tech, and then in a uh going back home you lose the game one against northern michigan so five straight losses uh for the beavers and again um this is where that lack of offense you know really shows for bemidji uh in those five games only a total of eight goals uh you give up 15 19 goals so 
do the math. It doesn't add up uh, for you, Ryan Stieg. And then to finish off, uh, you know, the uh, the rest of the season, um, you, you again, you get swept by the Mavericks. You go in and sweep St. Thomas. And I'll tell you what, St. Thomas, a team that you covered uh, very closely here on our show, um, although it's it's two wins for Bemidji State, St. Thomas was playing really, really well in that series. And dare I say it, St. Thomas could have had not one, if not both of those games, too, at the end of the season as well. St. Thomas um... – I was keeping on the track of the game on their on my phone while at a UND hockey game, and uh, I they would flash the scores from around the country during the game, and when St. Thomas was beating Bemidji, you know, especially Saturday night, there were there was like some gasps <laughs> behind <laughs> me. They were like, "What? <laughs> What's going on?" And I'm just like, "Well, St. Thomas has." definitely come around in the second half so it didn't yes, surprise they did. me yeah and uh that they were playing Bemidji tight um it that was uh I think that was a high point to St. Thomas's season but uh maybe Bemidji needed that scare I think that they almost not only almost lost but almost got swept yeah <laughs> like, like like St. Thomas I mean that would have just been huge for the Tommies and a really bad thing to go into the playoffs wise for Bemidji. And I was wondering in the first round, how is Bemidji going to respond? Because mm-hmm. you, you didn't, you didn't trip going into the postseason, but you didn't exactly run into the postseason. You weren't confidently crossing into the postseason. You're more like staggering kind of yes. into the first round series. So it, um, I was wondering how they do it. And uh, as I expected, the postseason, their first round series was going to be the most competitive one um, because they're going up against Bowling Green, who is kind of in the same boat this year. They also had their moments of brilliance and also – it was hard for them to come up with some consistency on a week by week basis. And Bowling Green is, uh, could have had a home series, you know, in the first round and they kind of lost it in the last few weeks. So it was, it was a question mark going into that weekend for me, um, how each team would respond. And Bemidji ended up getting it done, fought their way through a three game series. Yes, they did. And then after dropping game one for a taboo <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's when, in a three-game series, if you lose game one, then you're in complete desperation mode at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Rico told me that sweeping is the uh, – Rico Bozzi has told me several times that sweeping is the most difficult thing in college hockey because mm-hmm. if you win like Friday, you, especially in the playoffs, then you know the team that you just beat is, is going to be coming at you full bore <laughs> the next night, and you have to even play better – probably than the night you played the previous night if you want to get that second win. And then if it, they t- they beat you and it goes to a third game, then you're going to have to play even better than you played Friday and Saturday to get the win on Sunday. So it, uh, but credit to Bemidji, they got it done. And then there was that, uh, the game up in Houghton, which uh, I, I'm not surprised that they won. I, some people were because Tech had a really kind of, almost magical year to get into second place, a uh, kind yes, of unexpected did. year. Um, I thought they were going to be good. I thought maybe they could get home ice in the first round. I didn't see them finishing second, but uh, Bemidji went in and took care of business in Houghton and pretty convincingly too. Hockey fans, 
The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in all sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings same game day parlays? You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yes, they did. Um, and it was interesting too, because, uh, you know, a five to two win and, and you, it's, it's funny how we go back to, uh, what a loss or, you know, what having your backs against a wall can do to, um, the players in that locker room, right. And how you can either respond to it and it can get you hyper-focused. It can get you to execute those things, you know, lay down that body to block another shot. Um, or teams can grip the sticks a little bit tighter. It seemed that Bemidji with that scare, uh, they kind of ran with it and, this leads us to probably the biggest game that they played all season and no question, the most national attention. And this is never going to die. Uh, Ryan Stegen was the uh, CCHA championship against Minnesota state uh, Mankato. No question that the Mavericks were probably going to be there. That wasn't a question. But Midgey again, scratched and clawed their way with lack of a better term is the way to get there, but they give themselves an opportunity. And guess what, Ryan, they took this game to overtime and, Twice. I had to to face him do it twice, right? Um, And uh, from what we understand is that it was the Bemidji State players who were not suited in this game, which really started this sort of whole situation that happened for those who may have missed it or for those who maybe forgotten about it. What the hell happened down at the Verizon Center in Mankato? (laughs) Um, It's going to be... Don Lucia is hoping that we probably forgot about what happened in Mankato. <laughs> but I think it's still a little too fresh in everybody's minds that it's yeah. not going to go away. I mean, even though it did happen in March, still, it, it was such a memorable night. Uh, Bemidji was leading that game, one nothing, and there were times where they appeared to be in control. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm typing my recap as the game is going along, and I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be cool if they pulled an upset here and kind of, you know, got an NCAA tournament bid again and kind of shocked the country kind of a thing. And then Mankato tied it. It went into overtime. Um, And then as we know, Mankato scored. (laughs) (laughs) I love the emphasis on the court. (laughs) They, they ruled it a goal on first glance and it looked like it was into me too. But then, you know, I watched the replay after replay after replay, and I'm just like, that didn't go in. You know, if, if you're watching it, you know, at fast speed, game speed, you think, oh, somehow he managed to tuck the puck inside the post and pass Matthias Scholl. But he didn't. It went underneath <laughs> the netting, and it just 
it was so weird. And then the Bemidji, you know, they present the trophy and oh, the hoopla is all over. That was so that was such an awkward moment, you know, because then you have the Bemidji players that didn't play are like, hey, we're fine, you know, we're seeing these replays. That didn't go in, you know. I think we have a case here. And then they pursued it and done saying that, you know, behind the scenes that they're doing, you know, they're looking at replays or trying to figure out what's going on. And here me, I'm in person. We're walking our way into the media room, the affair for the presser. And, uh, and then uh, <laughs> the league's like, yeah, uh, um, this might get called back and uh, we might be <laughs> replaying it. And it was just, I'm like, this is unheard of. I've never seen a game restart, at least not, okay, there's a longer view, and they determine, oh, okay, we need to keep playing, but that's like 10 minutes, not right. <laughs> the length of time that that was. And because the game started an hour, more than an hour after the game ended. So it was it was wacky, and uh, my interview with Don Lucidi in the year was fun because he was saying, you know, it wouldn't have broken my heart if Mankato had won <laughs> because right. then it made because then like the hoopla kind of would disappear. It would be like, right. oh okay, Mankato <clears throat> won and now they officially won. But at the same right. time, because if Bemidji had won, then we'd get an extra team in the tournament and that's what always what you want. And uh it um but Mankato obviously won it. It um didn't take very as, long afterwards. No, but... it didn't. It was only a couple minutes after that. They restarted the game. It was two minutes or some change right yeah something like that which is like the equivalent uh because you know there's stoppage and play and stuff like that so it's like the equivalent of five minutes of me watching the game but two minutes of or <laughs> so of, of game time so but i i knew as within the first five seconds that mankato is going to win the game because with the first shot of the game the first start after the restart that Mankato had literally almost went in, like just missed. Oh, <laughs> getting past the net. And so I'm just like, and then the rebound almost went into, and I'm just like, yeah, it's over. It's Mankato's going to eventually score. And they did. And on Jack McNeely's awesome snapshot. And I felt bad for Matias Scholl too, because it's like he played really well all game. He, you know, they ruled that the winning goal happened. When he's thinking, no, I didn't. I made the save that didn't go in. So he's, and then he has to come back in after a long layoff and try to get back into game mode. And, uh, you know, you're playing against now a very angry Mankato team who now has to come back out there and finish the job. And they're determined. And it's just, he was just in a tough spot. And uh, I felt bad for him because some people are going to say, like, oh, you know, he, he could have just made one more save, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's putting a lot of pressure. Yeah, that's <clears throat> a you know to basically save your day is what they. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, and we touched on this in previous episodes too, Ryan. The position that Don Lucia was in, right? I mean, as we were getting in information, I was at the NCHC Frozen Faceoff in St. Paul in real time, um, watching the championship game between Duluth and Western Michigan. Um, you know, it was not right away clear. Um, you know, from the repeal angles that were, you know, circling social media. And again, as you mentioned, you know, I saw the original overhead, which at real time, mm -hmm. um, I can imagine, again, like you mentioned, it almost looked like it went between the post and the skate, but then you slow it down. Mm -hmm. And then you realize 
that geometry doesn't add up. Yeah. And you know, and again, this, this quickly caught fire, uh, Canadian, I mean, Elliot Friedman, even for sports and up in Canada, the, you know, one of the more respected hockey reporters in North America uh, caught wind of this. Um, so this was, and dare I say, it was an international sensation there for a little bit for the wrong reasons. But I Where will say, I will say you got to give Don Lucia some credit for having, dare I say, the balls to let the review happen, to talk to both coaches, to get it right. Uh, when he easily could have said, well, the game's over. It's been, we've already handed a trophy out and it, it, it's hearsay at this point. Hashtag Johnny Depp trial. Anyways, so <laughs> um, it, it was interesting, right? And, you know, that ends Bemidji season. Um, and you kind of wonder too that, let's just, let's, let's flip the coin here for a second. Had Bemidji won that game and gotten a bid into the NCAA tournament, would they have really made much noise? I mean, obviously, we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but that could have been pretty big springboard taking down the number one team in the country going into an NCAA tournament big. At that point, it's it's always going to be a what if. Yeah, it, uh, I'm sure that's going to be a what if for them for a long time. Like, had we just gotten one more goal, you know, or had that goal been waved off sooner, you know, mm -hmm. instead of after the long delay, you know, maybe we would have not have had the long layoff and had to, you know, get redressed and, you know, and try to get back into game mode. You know, if we just got right going back in it, maybe we could have had some momentum and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, you, teams don't like to dwell on what ifs, you know, you want to move past it, but I'm, I, I'm intrigued on what could have happened. I'm, I'm wonder, mm -hmm. you know, cause Northeastern was in by Bemidji right. losing then right. and then the game restarted and I'm like if Bemidji won Northeastern would have been out so mm -hmm. <laughs> Bemidji would have take you know taken Northeastern spot and you just maybe they could have pulled an upset in the first round maybe if they were able to ride that momentum that they came from beating Mankato but I just that's the furthest I think it would have gone just because I just yeah. don't think they had the weaponry there to, uh, you know, continue to make the run compared to the other teams that were in the frozen four. Um, right. I thought the four teams that were in the frozen four were the best four teams in the country. Agreed. So, um, but uh, it was, it was definitely a memorable year uh, for Bemidji. Some good, some, bad and some for reasons that are way out of the control like what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and and what a and what a show because had northeastern got out wasn't it northeastern that um that uh, i mean with devin cooley too i mean i'm trying to remember who they lost to in the second round was that um or was that the first round i can't remember northeastern lost in the first round Okay, that's right. Um, but you know, at the end of it, you know, would have Bemidji done any differently? What you know, order being shuffled? Because again, if Mankato loses that game, there's a whole different way that that bracket looks too, as mm -hmm. well. So interesting I mean, enough, and there go I ahead. Mean, Mankato probably would have been still a one seed, but you know, would they have been like the third overall one seed instead of the two overall one seed? Or do they drop to four with the Gophers? Yeah. You know, climbing up. That's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, you kind of wonder, you know, I almost wonder if, you know, in the future, you know, with, you know, maybe a cap friendly scenario, there was someone would create like a, uh, like an armchair NCAA GM kind of thing where if, you know, teams making it, that actually would be kind of fun, I think, yeah. um, you know, kind of play with. Um, what also was fun too is from a, a more positive 
conference light, right? Uh, uh, here, Ryan is, you know, season's over. Um, Augustana, um, which had announced their Division One program about a year ago, uh, about two months ago now, that they, they hired a uh, Minnesota uh, assistant, Garrett Raboyne, former uh, St. Cloud assistant, as their first uh, ever head coach. And how about this? They already have a conference. CCHA officially welcoming Augustana. Now, for those close to college hockey, this isn't in any way a surprise. Uh, but uh, your thoughts on the Augustana, the, is it the Vikings, right? Yeah, the Vikings, yeah. The Vikings. So another Vikings team that's going to be pitiful in the postseason. Anyways, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> totally kidding. It's, the namesake is cursed. But um, your reaction to the CCHA welcoming in its ninth member to the conference um, in its second year of existence, which they will not play until uh, next year, which is 23-24. It was, uh, you know, it was a bit of a surprise for me, I'll admit, in the fact mm. that the CCHA – not that they chose Augustana, but the fact that they expanded that quickly. I was like, wow, the league just restarted. They have an even number of teams. It seems like it worked really well. I was thinking, I mean, I asked Lucia about this, and I'm like, are you guys really, really looking to expand? And he said, well, there's some things out there, but, you know, he didn't really want to confirm anything. And then it ended up happening. I'm like, maybe this was a little soon for a team that's – for a league that's restarting. But, I mean, it is a good fit geographically, you know, for yep. most of the league. Um, you know, St. Thomas is fairly close. St. Thomas is about a four-hour drive. Bemidji's not too far away. Mankato is like a three, I think a three maybe hour drive. because they're That south. sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's an easy trip for them. Um, the, the problem with geographically is, you know, the CCHA has teams in Michigan and another mm-hmm. one in Ohio. So I, I wondered and I – Love to hear the take of people because they said the vote was unanimous. They got Augustana into there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like how the Eastern teams would have felt about that. Cause you know, that's a thing about Bowling Green going to Augustana. You know, you're going from Ohio all the way to South Dakota, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I imagine that's not their favorite thing and I'm sure they weren't excited about it, but at the same time, Maybe it helps. They got a brand new fancy arena that's coming to play. Plenty of be, money. Yeah, they seem <laughs> plenty be, of money. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be really going all out in supporting their hockey program. They're amping it up really well. They're they hired a good coach to start off. Um, they're showing their commitment to the league. And uh, Lucia said that you know they, he wanted the league to grow along with Augustana's growth. And that's what he was uh, going with. Um, that's his mindset. Um, like I said, a, a bit of a surprise that I didn't think it would, the league was going to expand that quickly. But I think of the teams that were remaining that didn't have a home, um, Augustana was the one that made the most sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think also, you know, Don made another um, statement where he said, you know, teams that are starting these programs need to know they have a home. And a lot of the teams don't. Arizona State still doesn't have a home. The Alaska, the Alaska schools, schools don't have a Lindenwood. home. Lindenwood. Lindenwood doesn't have a home. Yeah. Alabama you know? Huntsville doesn't have one. <laughs> if they decide to restart, they won't have a home either. Right. You know, for a bit, you know, Robert Morris announced it was going to restart. But at the start, you know, when they announced it, they didn't quite have a home yet. They do now. But they right. didn't, when they restarted, have a straight up home yet either. Um, mm-hmm. So does Long Island have a home now or are they still independent? 
I think they're still independent, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So if I that's think. the case, if that's the case, then they still don't have one either, and they've been doing this for what three? This will be their third year or something like I that. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Third year, I think. Yeah. So it's like that's, you know, it's hard enough to start a program from scratch, and then to know that nobody really wants you in their league right now. That's gotta. That's gotta hurt. So Augustana is getting a big benefit from that regard. Um, and I think that'll help. Um, you know, Don also, uh, by the way, shameless plug, if you go to the triple you can read my recap of the press conference that happened with Augustana. And I included two of the main highlights. Don said that, uh, the league is not right now looking to expand, um, to 10. I know that was like the obvious question. I knew it was going to be asked in the press conference. And he said, we're in no hurry. We got nine. He thinks it's a good fit. Um, from what I've gathered uh, in the playoffs, 18, eight, the top eight are going to be in to the playoffs. The last team is out. So um, okay. basically the top eight play in the first round. Um, 16 games for the first two years for Augustana. Um, they play each team once um, in the – and then they flip-flop the second year. So they host some teams, and then they go on the road, and then the other teams flip-flop. So they get a chance to play everywhere. That gives them some games to play. Um, I guess uh, the <laughs> the other teams get to experience Midco Arena. I guess that's a benefit mm-hmm. to them. Um, from what I heard, um, this won't affect the standings, play playing Augustana, since they're not a full member you know, yet or a full conference schedule, I don't think the games against them will affect the standings in any way um, for the teams that are playing Augustana, which I think if that's the case, it's a good thing because technically they're not playing a full schedule, so I don't think that should affect the standings. That's just my personal opinion. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting day, and uh, I'm glad Augustana has a home. I think they're going to be a benefit and uh, to the league, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um everybody seems to be excited so yeah and i think uh you know again as as college hockey continues to grow that's the important thing right um it's just it's more again we i just took a look at the transfer portal not that long ago and there's still oodles of players that are in there that don't have homes um so you kind of hope that and, and granted it's a unique situation you know still with the extra covid year for a lot of these athletes um so there's part of that but yeah again for uh, both augustana and from our original team bemidji uh that they hope that uh, you know that uh we call it they can uh, i guess continue to move forward right bemidji had an up and down year they pushed late probably too little too late uh but mm-hmm. uh they're they, they have some tools that were they they can be successful they just have to I guess they have to maybe have the cards fall the right way for them. But in Augustana, again, we'll see how they uh, how they will hit the ice here in about, what, 15 months or so. So it'll be interesting. Uh, but I th- yeah, but I think, uh, Ryan, that will do it here for the Bemidji State recap. And again, a little bit of extra there with the CCHA announcing its expansion officially with Augustana. Again, not set to hit the ice until 2023. Be sure to check out Ryan Stegen his work at TripleDeek.com where he posts a lot of recaps both at St. Thomas, the CCHA, and all also more college hockey news there as well. I'm your host, Dick Max, and we'll see you back here on MNCAA here next week. Thanks again for joining us.